Mom, what are we doing here? Your father's laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel. I shit you not. Hey, it's Ben Bailey Smith here. And Sasha Bates. And you are back in the place where we explore our favorite fictional TV characters, uh, working out the way they behave, why they do, sticking them into therapy. Um, so here we are again, Sash. Tell us about that clip at the top. That was 15-year-old Charlotte Bird getting the rundown from her mum, Wendy, about how they ended up in a rural lakeside town in the Ozarks. Like Shit's Creek <laughs> that we covered a few weeks ago, it's another story of a family stuck in a town, away from what they know. But it couldn't be more different. It's dark, it's brooding, and this community are far from welcoming. Amazing series. I know you've not completed the full box set. I, I, no. I, I have... It was one of those ones where season two, I was like, eh, I mean, I, I don't know, do I care about this? And I took a huge hiatus. Then I came back and I'm so glad I did. And it is worth sticking with it all the way through. You know, to me, Jason Bateman is a, is a comic genius. Mm. And um, I've always been a fan of him from a comedic perspective. So to see him not just act, but direct so competently, a really dark and kind of twisted drama is just so refreshing and it, it sort of vindicates my theory about comedians in that we have we have a way of like tapping into the dark in a way that uh, you know completely dramatic actors can't seem to tap into the funny mm. you know and i always find that fascinating to watch but, but you you've done you've done the whole season one obviously what was what's your sort of first Impressions. Yeah, I found season one really interesting and really intriguing because it does kind of raise as many questions as it answers. And I like that. I like not having the full picture. I like being having to sort of work it out. And it is really interestingly shot because it's a lot of it's really murky and dark mm. and it's a bit hard to see. And I think that contrasts a bit like White Lotus did. It contrasts with the beauty of the surroundings because they live on this gorgeous lake and tourists go there in the summer with their yachts and their sort of holiday shorts and, and things. And I think that sort of reflects the light and the dark of, of Wendy, our, our client for the, for the week. She's very light and dark. She comes across as a very kind of wholesome American mum, but she's yeah, there's a darkness in her as well and a darkness in their marriage. It's a show about secrets and lies and trust and integrity, but also impenetrable. Yeah, and you're right. It is like this sort of antichrist version of Shit's Creek, isn't it? <laughs> the the mum, the dad, the son, the daughter, fish out of water in this, this sort of backwater, so to speak. And, it, you know, it isn't devoid of laughs, actually. I think Jason especially does does make me laugh a few times um, in Ozark. I think because of just the extremity of the situation mm -hmm. and the fact that although the family descends into crime, he's not a he's an accountant, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he looks like an accountant. You kind of relate to this family in, in, in some weird way. And, and Laura Linney, there's something about that smile. It does lend to a, a very particular darkness that I'm sure you'll get into in a bit. So coming up, we're going to be looking at how honesty isn't always black and white and we're going to ask what leads someone to cheat in a marriage and we we ask what sort of mother wendy bird is obviously expect some spoilers season one and a whole heap of cursing because it's the ozark welcome to shrink the box 
this is quite nice, this actually. We are going to have the local light-fingered badass, Ruth Langmore, played by Julia Garner, to give you a full recap of season one this week and uh, explain everything you need to know. Yeah, I told you about Marty Burton, right? How he was some fancy fucking money manager or some shit. Only he was actually laundering money for the Mexican drug cartel. Anyway, his partner was skimming. So the fucking Bird family landed in the Ozarks with two suitcases full of cash. Yeah, they took over the Blue Cat Lodge and the strip club, figuring they'd use it to launder money. I talked Marty into hiring me. You know, those hillbilly heroin farmers, they turned their sights on the Bird family. Marty and Wendy, they made a deal with two devils, Cartel and the Snails. Only that crazy-ass Darlene, she went and killed the Cartel's man. There's going to be men that are coming here, they're going to be looking for answers that I can't give them. God, that is really useful, isn't it? Mm. Only we had that every week. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ruth Langmore. I, you know, next week when I do my recap, I want that. I want those timpanies in between <laughs> every line. <laughs> and then a big gunshot at the end. And a hillbilly accent, <laughs> I hope. Hillbilly accent. <laughs> so uh, this week we're looking at Laura Linney's Wendy Birds. Sash, tell us a bit about her. Oh, yeah. Wendy has been married to Marty for over 20 years. They've got two kids, Charlotte and Jonah. The very first thing we learn about her is that she's been having an affair with a, a man called Gary. So we know already that she's not above a bit of deception. We also learn that she can remain very cool under pressure because when poor old Gary gets thrown off a balcony very early on, she manages to kind of stay calm. And we see that throughout. I mean, they go through so many different kind of crises and she always keeps her cool. Mm. So I'm really intrigued by how she manages to do that. The stressful conditions keep on piling up and she keeps on kind of rising to meet them. Yeah, and like you say, she has this really sort of flexible moral compass which helps innately with them like slipping into this world of crime but what do we see about like Wendy's ethics and the way that they reflect on the show as a whole she's got that lovely warm smile and she really does come across as like some regular eyes twinkle yeah she does sort of uh, kind of exude homeliness Mm. and and kindness and that she is kind and she does love her kids and she is sort of warm and and twinkly but there's a real coldness. There's a real steeliness in, inside her. Yeah, her real self, I think, is very different to her presenting self. And that's true in her marriage as well. They do work as a team really well. There's some really deep understanding from having been together for so long. They've got the shared desire to do the best for their kids. And yet she's been lying to him. She's been having an affair. He suspected her enough to put a private investigator on her tail. So he's clearly wondering who is she as well. Yeah, she can be ruthless. She's smart. She's a strategizer. She's really intriguing. We're sort of introduced to her in a way with this explicit mm. video, and it's it's a very unusual way to introduce a, a, a character. But I suppose it has the effect of turning us, the audience, against her from the start. But then as 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 it as it develops, you know, you you quickly see well, you know, no marriage is perfect. It didn't feel from the start like Marty was the type of husband, at least in that moment, who gave her a massive amount of attention or Mm. uh, was 100% honest with her either. I mean, he has the opportunity Mm. to confront her and he's sort of 
strings her along, doesn't he, in, in, a, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's like He's really... got that knowledge, and I think he's sort of perversely enjoying that power. They talk about it later, and we'll talk about it later, what's going on there, because he watches that video of her having sex with, with Gary mm. 27 times, um, she <laughs> discovers when she looks on the counter. And, yeah, he never once says anything to her. And he's, he's really impenetrable. He's watching it, and a lot of what he does, you don't really know what's going on there. And I mm. think that's partly why she turned to Gary, because I think he can be quite cold and he doesn't give much away and and again I think in when they talk about it much later on in the series she sort of says you were walled off and um, yeah, cold unreachable. and she felt invisible and unheard and lonely I these, think these are the dangers within any marriage I suppose are the, the, the balled up resentments mm. it, even if it, only one person has got them you can have problems if both people have them mm. nobody's addressing them yeah. you know all sorts of volcanoes can erupt all sorts of fireworks can go off so this, this resentment's been building and, and there's definitely an anger that maybe hasn't been directed in the right way that they both seem to share to different degrees as, as, as we can hear in, in this snippet. People cheat. They have sex with people who they aren't married to. It happens. It's not unique. I was unhappy. You're not exactly blameless in this. For this house, I want you to find one as nice as possible, but as cheap as possible. I want you to think starter home. We got $20,000 to our name. Just 20. So please do not sign anything without talking to me first. And we are not husband and wife anymore. We're just business partners. And our job's to raise those kids. But you're absolutely right that I share some blame for this. I should have caught Bruce. I was in charge of the numbers. I should have seen it coming. But my mind was elsewhere, Wendy. You know, it's Saturday night and you're your Foxy Boxing or your Zumba or whatever the hell it is that cost me a few hundred dollars every single month. It ended two hours ago and there's no Wendy. Why does she get so many texts every night? Why does she have to leave the room to make a phone call? I wonder who's fucking my wife. So that's my bad. And no, I, I don't forget, Gary, I don't forget how you emptied our bank accounts when you knew I needed that money, Wendy. You knew I needed it. And I doubt very, very much that you did that by yourself, that you did that in a vacuum. So. My memory's crystal clear. Mm. It's super tense. Mm. He tries his best, doesn't he, Mighty, to not, um, you know, r not rise to when she just sort of states things mm. like plainly, you know, people cheat, that kind of thing. That she, she, she you can tell she, she wants him to be mm. as you know heightened as her. And his calmness is, is very irritating, actually. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk about it no, at all. He and doesn't. that's sort of and why she cheated in the first place, yeah. I think. And he's already thinking about, you know, very much like an accountant, right? What's the next step for the next financial tax year? These are the things <laughs> that need to happen. Here's the money. Me and you are now business partners. I get it, but it's not really dealing with anything that needs to be dealt with. They do manage to find a way to carry on working in inverted commas together before they find intimacy again. So, so what does this say about where their marriage is at, where it's been, where it's going? Well, I mean, like you said, they have to become business partners because they're stuck together now. They, they've got the cartel after them. They're the only way of saving their own lives. Wendy had to see Gary murdered in front of her. Marty saw his business partner, Bruce, murdered in front of him and a few other people. So they know the stakes are high. So they've got no choice, really. And by having to come together to fight those external threats or get out ahead of those external threats, it means they can, in a way, bury the problems in their marriage and just... They're, they're living day to day because they're 
they're having to just cope with can can we keep ourselves alive so mm. they've in a way got an excuse to not have to look at what's going on between them and I think a lot of relationships sadly are like that when you haven't got a cartel hunting you down <laughs> to kill your entire family you're just a normal working family I think there's maybe the initial romantic vision of a future when the kids fly the nest mm. and then you can go back to how you were in the sort of honeymoon period. But then I think what happens a lot of the time is you spent 18 years focusing on this external job and then the kids go and you look at each other like, what now? Mm. Two of the films really love is the Before Sunrise and Before Sunset mm. with Ethan Hawke yep. and Julie Delpy. And there's a line in Before Sunset, the second one where they meet up again after 20 years and he talks about his failing marriage and he says, it's just like we're two strangers running a small nursery together. <laughs> and it's always stuck with me, that notion that, yeah, as soon as you've got something else to focus on, you don't have to look at yourselves anymore. Mm. By seeing that video of Wendy having sex with Gary and by re-watching and re-watching, it's almost like he's saying, I've got to work out what's going on. Who is this person? How could she do this to me? Mm. But get sidetracked by, by saving their lives. Mm. Their externals are incredibly extreme. It's life and death stuff. Mm. It's high-level crime. And with each episode that passes, you sense Wendy's maybe kind of equipped to, mm. if not like perfectly equipped, because you know she's never dealt with anything like this before, but she seems to have a certain skill set. There's something in her, mm. isn't there, that she helps her in these extreme situations. The way that she's able to control her panic in the face of watching her lover be murdered, the way that she's able to just like pack a bag and say, yeah, let's go to the Ozarks and, you know, let's get ourselves a house and let's find a way to make money. I understand that in later series you do learn you about do, you her, go back her, with her Wendy background. And it really makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, but in this first one, you're just going off the the clues, mm. and there's something in her that makes me think, oh, she's been on the run before, or she's been frightened before, and she's had to learn to tamper down those natural reactions. She's learned to hide it, and there's a really interesting scene where she thinks Marty's dead because he, one of his solutions when they feel like they've run out of of options, is to kind of offer to kill himself in order to get so that they can get the insurance money mm -hmm. and she thinks he's done it obviously he doesn't do it and she's so upset she goes in the bathroom the, the motel bathroom and she shoves a towel in her mouth to stop herself crying out loud and again you kind of think she's learned to hide her feelings to save them up to wait till she's got a safe space and then she knows i can go in the bathroom i can scream but silently in, into a towel so she's clearly had had a difficult childhood for her to be able to have got so good at that. But also you can see that she's functioning out of her sort of fight-flight mechanism. She's working at that survival level and flight is her go-to. Her first instinct was, I'm going to empty the bank accounts, I'm just going to take off mm. with Gary. Until Gary was <laughs> splattered across the pavement. But she does it a few times throughout the series. Her first instinct is, let me get out of here. She says mm -hmm. to uh, Marty at one point, um, oh, maybe it would be sensible to put the assets in my name. And he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's not going to happen and later on still she says I think we should send the kids away to Chicago and he's like oh yeah you're trying to teach them your trick of just getting the hell out of, of town and you know how long will it be before you follow them so she has this that's her go-to this sort of flight this fleeing instinct which he doesn't have um, he's more able to be solid and stable and say no we're going to do this together yeah it really is and it is made explicit later on as of season one 
we only really know her recent past. And there's a lot of nods to what she used to do before she became a housewife, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because a bit like uh, Shiv Roy, she was a, a bit of a political advisor and um, she had a lot of kind of high profile colleagues that, that she worked with mm-hmm. uh, back in Chicago. So she's also got that other skill of like, well, hold on, high-pressured environments, I remember this, mm. you know, and, and, and she's now got to re-empower herself again. Mm. Um, and we, we can hear a bit of that here. I've been trying to tell you since yesterday about that half-built house on Sunrise Beach. Mm-hmm. What about it? Well, I used the money from the Chicago house and I bought it. Now, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure you can inflate construction costs and you can launder money through it. And quite frankly, I don't give a shit if you like it or not. Because I feel pretty good about it. It's a good idea. And I did it for our family. What'd you do today? For our family. Bought a strip club. (laughs) (laughs) It's one way to make a living. Yeah. It's obviously even more profound for for women who've had children but you know as as we all get older it, you do get that thing of like what was i good at again mm-hmm. but what was the you know what was i really like top of my game at mm-hmm. you know and and when you get a little sort of rekindling of that when you remember how to get on the horse mm-hmm. can be incredibly enthralling maybe i'm reaching it seems to be what what's happening with wendy like she's mm. getting that little sniff of oh hold on mm. i'm quite i remember yeah. this there's a moment when she talks to buddy whose whose house they end up living in and she says that she'd worked on the obama campaign and there's this real wistfulness when she remembers what it was like to to be powerful and to be in the midst and to be used for for her brain and and her skills and in fact, in the, there's a flashback episode in, I think, like back episode seven, which I found so interesting because you can kind of see how they got involved with the cartel mm. in the first place. Mm. And it was partly because, as you said, she she left work to look after the kids. When she then tries to get back and she goes back into the political arena and she's interviewed by this sort of child. He looks about 12. Oh, it turns out she worked for his father. And he's patronising and he just looks at her like she's this sort of old, invisible... Dinosaur. Dinosaur. And that sparks a huge depression. And it's because she's depressed and we see her kind of not really able to look after the kids and saying, oh, I thought at least I was a good mum. I can't even do that anymore. And it's to sort of reawaken her and to give her back a purpose that Marty kind of takes her to meet the cartel in the first place. Because mm-hmm. he was initially like, I'm not doing this. And then he sort of takes her to like liven her up and he sees that she comes alive again. So I think you're right. Yeah, again, going back to to the Ozarks and again thinking, oh yeah, I've got a role here. I can really contribute. I'm not just a, a washed up housewife, mm. which she never was, but that's what society told her she was, as happens to so many women, of course. Absolutely. And we, we see we see that, don't we, in, down in the Ozarks. Yeah, you really get the sense of that, that they're all fighting. All these women are fighting to be taken seriously. And they're all really smart. Mm. I mean, Darlene Snell, another sort of hillbilly turned heroine farmer she just goes straight for the violence she just wants to kill people um yeah she's literally showing you her power yeah yeah she she really is and then ruth who is i think only like 19 she's so smart and marty sort of takes her under his wing and you can kind of see her blossom in somebody telling her she's good at something there's another very telling scene i think where 
in order to try and infiltrate the strip club that Marty ends up buying, she has to go and try and get a job as a stripper and she's so not suited to it at all. And in the interview, the the guy that runs it says, oh, stripping might be every girl's dream, but not every girl's a stripper. And you think, oh, dear God, that is literally, (laughs) that is what they've got to aspire to. Um, And then it's also quite funny when Marty later does buy the um, strip club. And he tries to uh, talk to all the strippers and he says, you know, you all have the right to self-esteem and you'll never have to give another blow job. And he's trying to really <laughs> empower them. And they're like, well, how are we going to make any money then? <laughs> and you get this sort of like urban, you know, uh, woke man trying to say, it's okay, you don't have to do this. And they're like, come on, honey, we haven't really got many other options yeah. down here in the Ozarks. And they don't, they don't, they don't have many options um, and they do what they need to do to get by. Yeah, so it's a desperate world that they're in. And I think for us, the audience, like we feel that tenfold because we relate to the birds, right? We all Mm -hmm. think of ourselves as the the normal family in amongst this nightmare. Mm -hmm. Listen, we'll take a little break. And uh, after that, we're going to dive into just what sort of a mum Wendy is and how sometimes uh, stressful environments can actually be positive. And we're going to look at the moment when Wendy discovers that Marty has been watching that footage of her on repeat. So we're going to see you right after the ads, unless you're a subscriber to the Tate channel, in which case we'll be back just after this teaser. What musical artist does Ruth Langmore love? Hmm, see you shortly. This show is supported by BetterHelp. Uh, now, sometimes you're carrying a weight on your shoulders, but you can't find the right way to open up about it and maybe offload a bit to others. If we keep things bottled up, it can really affect us in a bad way. And therapy is a safe and anonymous place to air whatever's been troubling you. And I know this personally. It always feels better just to speak your truth. It, it, honestly, you genuinely feel lighter. And the moan can tell you all about feeling light or heavy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash shrink the box today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash shrink the box. Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help, I Sexted My Boss. And next Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. Help, I Sexted My Boss live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome. Go to sexedmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexedmyboss.com slash cinema. Okay, boom, we're back. One of my favorite things about Ruth, I mean, there's so many things to love about Ruth Langmore. Being a big fan of 90s rap, she listens to Gangstar. We see her listening to Wu-Tang, Notorious B.I.G. It's always, whenever she pulls up, she's playing some bangers. Um, I I just love that about her. All right, Sash, um, so we hear at the top of this episode how Wendy tells her kids that uh, their dad is laundering money for a drug cartel. She just blurts it out. Now, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to judge. I don't have my silently judging cap on today, but um, <laughs> surely you should keep some things back from your kids. 
Should you not? It is the sort of decisions that parents have to make all the time about how honest to be. And I think there is an instinct to wrap your kids in cotton wool and make them think that nothing's ever going to go wrong, which I think you can do to a certain extent. But at some point, they are going to have to face the reality that Mm. the world is not always going to go their way and they are not the centre of the universe to anyone other than themselves and their parents. It is important for kids to transition into a world where they are not the centre of the, the universe. By doing that, you do learn resilience. So I think there's all you always sort of got to be treading that fine line between how much do we protect them and how much do we prepare them for the fact that they're going to have to meet bad people and see bad things happen. If you keep the, these massive things from your kids, when they do eventually find out, if you, if you just didn't give them any hint of it, mm. let's say... Mm. Does that build a whole new resentment in the kids? It's similar when um, parents try and hide the fact that they're having problems in their marriage because the kids can pretty much always pick up on stuff. They sense something and then they often imagine things are worse than they actually are. And with these kids, their whole lives have been uprooted. They don't understand why they're not allowed to go home, can't see their friends, they're not allowed to be on social media. It would be very hard, I think, to not bring them in, to tell them at least something of what's going on. I mean, Marty, at one point suggests that Wendy's telling them in order to sort of win them over to her side as opposed to his by blaming him, which isn't so unfair because she was just as much, they took the decision together to get involved with the cartel. Jonah, in a way, Jonah, the young boy, he almost takes on the worry that they're not showing because they're just kind of like surviving. They're firefighting from day to day to survive. And he's the one that then has to think, okay, maybe I should go and get a gun. Maybe I should learn how to shoot it. So he's sort of, they've sort of parentified him, really. And I think it does come back to help them in in many ways. There's a whole scene where that's sort of important. There's something about the fact that they are doing this as a team and they feel like we're in this together that is what saves them in many ways. So obviously in an ideal world, you're not going to be bringing your kids in, but I I don't think you can ever categorically say do or don't tell them stuff Mm. because when Mm. they know something's going on... Every time they try and keep a big one from the kids, Mm. the kids react very badly. Mm -hmm. The way they try and shut it down at dinner or whatever. Mm. There's no way of hiding it because they're surrounded by death in Mm. every way. They've got the cartel after them, they've got the Snell heroin farmers after them at some point. Ruth is an ongoing threat for a long time. And they live in the house with this guy, Buddy, who walks around with a, what you call it, one of those oxygen tanks, Mm. who is literally kind of dying. And he's this very visible presence of how close death is. They have a body wash up under their dock. And if their lives are at stake, then the parents' natural instinct is to is to protect them. But in this particular case, that doesn't mean protecting them by bullshitting them, I suppose. Yeah. They're also kind of, I mean, especially Marty, and we see it develop down into further series, kind of doing a bit of additional parenting with Ruth, Mm. who's also very young Mm. and living quite a dangerous life. And we see them parent her, and then when we follow her home, we see her parenting a bunch of... Men, basically. Mm. And is it two younger cousins or yeah. one younger brother and a younger I think cousin? I think they're cousins. Yeah. 
So she's sort of parents then, but then you've got these bigger men who are mm. massive idiots, mm. babies kind of thing. So she and she sort of has to parent them all, and she's the only girl, she's the only feminine yeah. presence there. So yeah, I tough. mean, she's really been left to fend for herself. Her dad is in prison. He's the older brother to the two useless uncles that are left behind, and she's got such a difficult job because she has to go back. She has to sort of like act like her dad to her uncles. She has to be like really badass and threaten them because they're such idiots. But then she also has to be a mum to her cousins. So Mm. she's having to take on both parenting roles in a way. Um, And so when Marty and... Wendy turn up. At first, it's like she can't bear them because it's they're everything that she never had. But then she gradually kind of realizes that the stuff that she can learn. Marty like mentors her, and Wendy, when she sees that um, she's been hit, she goes around with the black eye. She kind of helps her to patch it up, but she also says, "Yeah, I tripped once." They're both sort of talking, and Coach mm-hmm. said, "I tripped once, and then I tripped again, and then when I tripped a third time, I made sure I didn't go down that path again." And she's sort of like giving her these messages of you don't have to take this shit. Later, Ruth wants to protect Marty so much that she is prepared to kill her uncles in order to stop them killing Marty. And there's this really touching moment where she says, I couldn't let them kill you. And he's like this really loving father and he hugs her and he says, you know, you you did well and, you know, it's, you're, you're going to be all right. So she goes from absolutely hating the birds and wanting to kill them herself to saving them because mm. they're kind to her. She ends up saving them in many ways. Yeah. When you watch Ozark, you do that thing, like, just go to the police. Why are you why are you taking this all on board? Yeah. I mean, they they have the opportunity more than once mm-hmm. to go to the feds, right? And get protection. It's almost as though they just realise that we're better off alone. We're better off sorting this. And I feel that they sort of think think that they've got the skills to do it. Like Wendy clearly has had a lifetime of, of working in survival mode. Marty is really smart. But also what I think is quite interesting and another sort of theme of this show is this notion of you stick by your decisions and you make your choices. And again, in that flashback episode, um, I think it's episode seven that I found really interesting, you see that Marty and Wendy are in a car crash and then she is is in hospital and Marty is having a conversation with Bruce in the hospital waiting room where Bruce says, you know, one of these sort of platitudes about, oh, well, everything happens for a reason. And Marty's like, no, that's bullshit. You make your decisions and you stick by them. And that's sort of a theme that we have free will. And if you make a decision, you kind of have to live or die by that decision. Unlike Wendy, he doesn't try and flee ever. He's like, no, this is where we are. And he also talks about, just prior to the car crash, he and and Wendy having a discussion about how tiny decisions have big impacts. And clearly their tiny decision to to kind of go go to that first dinner with, with Dale of the cartel leads them to where they are now. So he sticks to what he said he was going to do. I, I get the vibe that they could go to the feds and the feds could take it all off their hands and they go and change their names and they go and live in Arkansas. And then all the old problems of the marriage and their relationship with their kids rears its ugly head Mm. almost immediately. Whereas with this, it's like you're you're on a long car journey with the kids and it's 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 you're all irritating each other and you're thinking, Oh god, I don't know if I can do a weekend with this lot again. (laughs) And then, you know, tire blows out or something something strange happens and you all suddenly have to pull together. Mm. Maybe bizarrely, perversely. 
this huge challenge is the thing that could save the marriage, could save the relationship that these parents have with each other well, I think and with right. their children. I, well, I think you're right because there is actually some research that says that people that go through frightening experiences together, there's something about that release of the fear hormones, the adrenaline and the cortisol, actually does make them bond more afterwards. And they think there's something in that around why teenagers like watching horror films together and why then the friendships that you make as teenagers often last throughout your life. So there is something in the, the hormonal response to fear and the and the having to pull together. It's why, you know, businesses go off on corporate, you know, raft building exercises because mm. there is something in that of put somebody in a situation of adversity and they come out stronger, which also, I guess, speaks to the should they or shouldn't they have told their kids the truth? What brings them all back together at the end? And it was slightly leaping ahead. Marty, in a way, wants to protect them by getting them all new passports, telling them to run. He'll stay and face the music, but he wants to save them. And they get so far. And then the kids are like, look, whatever we're facing, let's just do it as a family. And they're, mm. they're sort of home free at that point. They could run, but they decide, no, there's no point in doing any of it if we're not doing it together. And they go back into the kind of the the, the lion's den because they'd rather do it as as a team, which is really sweet. I feel a bit tearful saying that, no, actually. No, I, I, honestly, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And 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 I, I, I do implore you to, to stick with Ozark because right up to the very final frame of the very final episode, mm. that is there, mm. that thing of like, let's yeah. do this for each other it's quite mad but it is it is ultimately um it's ultimately very touching mm. so is that what we can take away from all of this that like extreme situations or, or or you know strange adversities can sort of jolt us like a sort of jump start mm. into remembering what's like important, what's what, important. What, what we love and why i think what also helps them come back together as a couple is that all this time they've not been talking about the video and mm. her her betrayal we heard him very early on shutting that down but they do end up getting back into bed with each other and he does something that he saw happen in the video he slaps her on the bum oh. and she's like you've never done that before why would you think that I would like that and he said oh I just I just thought you would and that leads her to suspect does he know the kind of sex that I have with Gary you know she looks it up on the computer and that's when she learns that he's watched it 27 times and it's only after that that they finally have an honest conversation finally he's honest about why He's been acting like he did because he was just heartbroken. And she can be honest about, I didn't think you saw me. And there's something about that honesty that finally comes after all these weeks of ignoring it and pretending it didn't happen and being angry with each other. There's an honesty there that he has to say, actually, you really hurt me. And then later when they do go off to get the new passports and they have a phone conversation when she then says, I'm so sorry, I hurt you. And he says, it's not your fault, I had shut down. So there's something about the honesty that they can finally have about how hurt they were. That's the springboard for progress, isn't yes. it? That it's so hard, but to begin with that honesty mm. and if there's somewhere in there you can find the maturity to apologize like yeah. a genuine apology yeah that can also be a huge springboard those two things combine mm. and you know anything's possible mm. you can come back from the precipice exactly and i think that's why despite all their stress and and fear 
there is an honesty to their relationship and there is a pulling together and a teamwork and the adversity is making them stronger. Even the fact that she had an affair has made them stronger because they've been able to say the stuff that they couldn't say that was going on. And, and they both marriage. want the same thing to some extent. It's mm. not that either of them wants out mm. of the marriage. No. That also helps massively. Yeah. Because you can say all the fucking stories you like. You can be as honest as you like. Mm. But if one of you actually doesn't long-term want to be there, mm. then you're still screwed. Yeah. Like I said before, that her sort of a, her go-to response to fear is going into flight mode. And then she actually gets the opportunity and he's like, yeah, have the passports, you go. And she doesn't want to because she feels loved. Mm. She's understood that, you know, he does love her and she did hurt him. And so she goes back. That instinct to flee mm. is no longer there. It's like, no, I don't need to do this because mm. I've got him. He's stable. Oh, my God. I just can't wait for you to meet her brother. <laughs> when her brother comes in, oh, my Lord. Okay, I can't wait to watch it now. Because right. I kind of slightly gave up on it no, after series no, no. one. But no, no, do you've, it. You've do made it. me really want to go back. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's Wendy Bird. Thank you, everyone, for your emails this week. Um, keep sending in your character suggestions and all your thoughts about the show and your theories. This week, we have one from Ivy, who says, Ben and Sasha... I've just finished my A-levels. I don't know why she talks like that, just because she's doing her A-levels. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm catching up with every episode. Love the podcast. I want to recommend that either Connell or Marianne, or both from Normal People, sit on your sofa, as they both have really fascinating relationships with their families, partners, and friends, influenced by trauma and struggles with their mental health. Keep making the podcast. It's perfect. Thanks, Ooh. Ivy. Um, I don't know about that, but that's that's very, that's <laughs> we'll very lovely. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Who's this? This is from Durba, a listener from the UK, who says, Amazing show. Love the discussions about my and others' favourite TV characters. It's so great that you will be covering the legend that is Catherine Kaywood. Oh, yes, we have. Um, from Happy Valley. Uh, may I suggest Eleanor and or Tahani from The Good Place mm -hmm. on Netflix. Uh, Kimmy from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mayor from the Mayor of Easttown. God, I still mm. need to watch that. Damn. Mm, Nadia from Russian Doll. Uh, also, uh, Natasha Leon, our fantastic producer, was telling us, is in a new show called Poker Face, which yeah, is well looks good. worth a watch. So maybe check that out, Derber, if you haven't already. Thank you. Do follow us wherever you prefer to get your, your poddies and tell your friends, because that's how we are going to keep Shrink the Box going. And if you want to listen to us with uh, without the ads and... Get the bonus apps and ad-free content from our, our friends at Kermode and Mayo's The Take. Just subscribe to Extra Takes online. Um, start your free trial now by clicking Try Free at the top of the Shrink the Box show page on Apple Podcasts or simply visit extratakes.com. Thank you to our lovely production team. Production management is Lily Hambly. The assistant producer is Bashak Erton. Social media is Jonathan Emieri. The studio engineer is Gully Tickle. And the mix engineer is John Scott. Senior producer is Selena Reem. And executive producer is Simon Poole. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment production. Right then, my favourite part of the show, Sasha giving us the big reveal. <laughs> Who is on the couch next week? The last couple of weeks we've looked at marriages because we had Alison and Mike from yes, Ghosts yes. last week and then this week we've looked at the <laughs> slightly more stressful marriage that is Wendy and Marty Bird. And so sort of continuing with that theme, I think we need to look at a third marriage which is also very different. Mm. Have a listen to this. Don't be mad. I just got up to change her. Well, Mitchell really wanted to ferberize the baby. Ferberize. It is a method of getting the baby to sleep through the night by 
Yes, basically letting her cry herself to sleep. Torture. It's not torture, Karen. It's just hard if you happen to be a person who hates to hear another person suffer. <laughs> or two people suffer. <laughs> no, no, you got up to comfort her, which only teaches her that every time she cries, her daddy will come in and cuddle her and put on her favorite. What are we watching? Brian De Palma's controversial masterpiece, Scarface. For the baby? She happens to like it. I don't know if it's the colors or the, the sounds. Oh, here comes the nightclub massacre. She loves it. Watch her little eyelids. It's so cute. They get so heavy. <laughs> yeah, unmistakable. It's Cam and Mitch from Modern Family. Mm. Oh, man. They, they really, they crack me up, man. And this, So this is going to be our, our, our first gay couple as well. Mm. So we, we've done, done a, a couple of siblings, haven't we? Yeah. A couple of marriages. Yeah. Uh, straight marriages and now we've got our first gay marriage Cam and Mitch mm. hilarious characters both of them uh, polar opposites in a lot of ways yeah they're, they're the sort of the classic odd couple aren't they Cam is very over the top drama queen just completely natural and and yet he's also really sporty and yeah. <laughs> and you know like mucks in like literally because he's, he's like got that farming yeah. background he's like super tough yeah yeah. But then he's all like flamboyant shirts and, and musical theatre and jazz hands. I know, he's great. He's such a contradiction in terms. Um, but he's so different to Mitch, who's so uptight buttoned and up. buttoned up. Does and, his law. Yeah, and, and just his... not so comfortable with himself. I mean, I think that's the big difference is Cam is completely comfortable with being both a kind of American football player, farmer and um, <laughs> camp drama queen who dresses up as a clown. I mean, it's just such a weird job description. But <laughs> Fisbo and Mitch is just so not comfortable with himself really mm. because we learn so much about the family Mitch's family anyway and we see the effects of having had Jay as a father and oh the God. mad Didi as, as, a, as a mother and yeah they're, they're fabulous so I think it's worth doing them together because they are such contrasts but also have such a strong marriage but strong in a different way to the birds and in a different way to Alison and Mike yeah, and there's never a bad time to put on an episode of Modern Family. Oh, it's fabulous. Every so episode is Similar to when we did uh, Seinfeld. It's just like a, it's a show you can just stick stick on an app. Yeah. Sometimes my kids will say, have you seen this one? I say, no. So we just mm. stick that one on. And it's just ah, always, always makes me laugh. So we're going we're gonna to focus on season one, right? Yeah, I think I think so, because you learn quite a lot about them in season one. And mm -hmm. they, they have just, as we heard in that clip, they have just adopted Lily, their baby. <laughs> they got from Vietnam. <laughs> that, they, that they adopted. <laughs> different Vietnam and I mean I think it's the one where you get the most backstory as to how they yeah, came true, to, true. to be together and also yeah they were adapting to being new parents so they've got their own stresses of a very different kind and as we heard from that clip they have very different parenting styles <laughs> if you want to dig in and get ahead of the game it is all available Modern Family so tuck in and I'm going to do the same Sash I'll see you next week see you next week All right, here we go with the Ozark credits for clips used that are all from season one, created by Bill Dubuque and Mark Williams. So Ruth telling us all what's happening is from the Ozark season one trailer on the Still Watching Netflix channel on YouTube. The clip at the top and the clip of Marty and Wendy arguing are both from episode two, entitled Blue Cat, starring Laura Linney as Wendy, Jason Bateman as Marty Bird. Um, the writers are Bill Dubuque, Mark Williams and Paul Colesby. It's directed by Jason Bateman. 
And the clip of Wendy buying a house and Marty buying a strip club is from episode four, Tonight We Improvise. The writers are Bill Dubuque, Mark Williams and Paul Colesby, directed by Daniel Sackheim. Ozark comes to us courtesy of Aggregate Films, Headhunter Productions, Man, Woman and Child Productions, Media Rights Capital, MRC, and Zero Gravity Management. And the entire box set, all four seasons of Ozark, are available now to watch on Netflix. Thanks for listening and see you next week.